Welcome to So Here's the Thing, where we share candid conversations that lift the veil on what it takes to find success, even if that means sharing a few unpopular opinions. I'm your host, Leili Amati. Grab some coffee or a cocktail, and let's get real. Hey friends, welcome back to the show. Today we have the phenomenal Rebecca Rice, who I just adore. I'm so, so excited that she's taking the time to talk to us today about growing a team and about outsourcing. These are such important topics and I'm so excited for her to kind of give us a good starting point and some really good tips on how to do this in a really smart, intentional way. Uh, Rebecca is a photographer, educator, wife, and mom living in Nashville, Tennessee. So cool, by the way. Like, I feel like anytime somebody says they live in Nashville, I'm like, oh my gosh, you're so cool. I just feel like you're going to whip out a guitar and start singing to me. That might be, I don't know. Maybe I'm just putting everybody in a group, but I, that's, that's my vibe. Her mission is to equip aspiring and established photographers and creative entrepreneurs alike with the tools they need to create a profitable business. And that is why she's here. So I'm really excited, Rebecca. Thanks for taking the time to be with us today. Yay. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited. And no, I will not whip out a guitar. (laughs) I mean, but you could though, right? I feel like you could. I can do piano. My husband is the guitar guy. Of course he is because I love this. I love that I was right. And that just makes me really happy. Um, Rebecca, tell us a little bit about like where you are in the creative industry, like how you got here, a little bit about your entrepreneurial journey. Yeah. So I am a family photographer and educator. Um, Like you said, here in Nashville, I was a Dallas girl, just like you. Um, And my family moved here in November of last year. So we are on this journey. I started my business on the side, sort of by accident, if we're being honest, where it was one of those things I picked up a camera, people started asking me to take their pictures and I was a photographer. And so I was a youth pastor full-time and did my business on the side for several years. And then when we moved, my husband and I both went full-time in the business. So we were part-time by choice and went full-time and it's just exploded. So it's been an incredible journey getting to step into the educator space and um, just grow my reach and be able to reach photographers has been incredible and so fun. I love that. And I love your transparency in the whole like accidental journey because I feel like so many times people will see um, really successful entrepreneurs and they're like, how did they do that? And like sometimes it's something that you can recreate, but sometimes it is accidental and sometimes it is just like time and place and that's okay. But I love that you are just such an open book and you're willing to help other people kind of gain things in, in, a, in a really approachable way. So that is amazing. So tell us a little bit about your team. Like what does that look like? I know, I know about it and I'm excited for everybody else to hear about it too. Yeah. So I have a pretty large team. Um, It started out with just myself and an editor because I was a photographer, obviously. And then I added on a social media manager, which at the time she kind of did social media and like assistant things. So she was in my inbox. She was delivering galleries, whatever. And then that it was just the two of us for a while. About eight months later, we added on a copywriter. So she would, was helping with our blogs and our emails and things like that. And then this January, the team kind of exploded from there. So for a long time, it was just, you know, me and my two girls. And then my husband came on full time. And now we have, um, I've got a full time, let's see, a full time girl that runs my associate team. I've got a full time girl that 
does admin between my associate team and education side of things. I have our operations and community manager. So she handles a lot of the the community aspect of things and our courses and stuff. I have a part-time integrator who pulls all our moving pieces together. And then I have several contractors. So I still have my copywriter, still have my social media girl, you know, a bookkeeper. And I have 13 associate photographers in five regions. So that's, you know, a whole, a whole nother thing. So our team is pretty built out, um, pretty much exploded from January to now. So it's been fun. And I, I just love the team aspect. I know it's not as common that, you know, having creative entrepreneurs with big teams, but I love it. And I just think that it's so valuable for other people too. Yeah, I actually totally agree with that. I feel like once you start bringing people into your business, as scary as it is in the beginning, the more exciting things become. And the more, I I feel like the more people who can really own, take ownership of your business, and then it becomes like a company, it becomes a business, not just your baby. It just becomes like that concept of teamwork really takes root and it just makes everything so much more attainable, so much more exciting, so much more of like a group project versus like, you know, that feeling of, oh my gosh, everything is on me all the time. I have to wear all the hats. So I agree with you on that. And I love that you have kind of your associate photography team is kind of like a whole separate monster of your business team. So I'd love to focus in on like your business team and what that looks like. I love that you mentioned you had you know, your first hire was your social media person. That's probably going to be one of my last hires. I have a small but mighty team. I call us lovingly. um, And I like haven't let anybody touch my social media ever. I'm really (laughs) weird about it. I'll have to get over that. That's a personal problem. Yes. Um, But what would you advise somebody? Like, how did you decide this is something that I need to hire in on? Like, I know my thought process with bringing on my assistant was my first hire. And I, I know that thought process, but I'm just curious to hear yours. Yeah, for me, it, I, so I, at the time, whenever I brought her on, it was working full time and had two toddlers, well, two babies. They weren't even toddlers at the time. Um, my kids are 20 months apart. So I had a newborn and an almost two year old. And I just, I didn't have a lot of time in the day. And so I knew that if I wanted to continue to scale and not sacrifice my home life, that I needed to bring on a team. And I like literally just wrote a blog post about this. So this is funny, but I, I just felt, um, there were things falling through the cracks. I knew that my inbox, I I was missing potential clients or I wasn't serving my current clients. Well, um, our, our social media, I was non-existent. I had no strategy because I didn't have time to do it. And so there were things that I wanted to do in our business that I knew I just physically did not have the capacity. So that's when I brought her on and it was on a small capacity. It was 10 hours a month. So I was paying her $300 for the whole month. I'm like, okay, if I can just book one session, it more than pays for her. And so, you know, one extra session and that made all the difference for me, even just letting go a little bit. Cause I think there's a learning curve with hiring a team and I had to learn to let go slowly. And so by giving her my inbox, giving her, you know, client delivery and then social media and stuff, I was learning how to let go of my business, my baby, like you were saying, so that later I could, you know, continue scaling and expanding my team. So that was kind of my thought process. Things were slipping through the cracks. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't doing what I wanted and I knew that I just needed help. Yeah, absolutely. I, I totally relate with that. So when you decided, when you were going through that and then you decided like, okay, it's time for me to find some help, 
how did you do this? And by the way, you guys, if you're listening and you're like, oh my gosh, I need like step-by-step processes, I have a resource um, in my shop It's that we'll link in the show notes, or you can go to laylimati.com backslash shop, and there's a hiring guide there if you're still looking to make your first hire. But Rebecca, I want to know, like, how did you start searching for that right person? Because I think that overwhelms people so much. Yeah. Um, for me, it was through word of mouth. So I met her through a friend and I think that's one of the easiest ways to find really solid people. It can be really scary to just like reach out to random strangers. And so I think having that personal connection somehow really helps. So I met her through a friend. She actually is in Nashville and she was here before I moved here. So I, it just happened that we ended up in the same city, but before that she was, you know, a virtual assistant and, um, she, I met her through a friend of mine and we just clicked. We met in person and our personalities clicked. And that's when I, you know, reached out to her trying to see, you know, where can we go from here? Because I liked her as a person and, um, you know, just taking a look at her, her business and all the things we were a great fit. So I think that personal aspect really, really makes a difference. I definitely love that advice. I I think that is a really great way to get your feet wet, get started with finding somebody that you really connect with and click with. I know for me, I did like an open call on social media for applications and I went that route. and, And I mean, no matter what route you take with finding that first hire, sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. Like, it always has the potential for going really, really well or not going really well. And so I just want to add that little piece of encouragement that like, that's okay if like your first hire doesn't go great. I know yours did and it's this person is still with you today and that's amazing. My first couple assistants, like they did great, but I didn't really truly know exactly what I needed until I got them in the door. And then I realized like, oh, this actually might not be the best fit for both of us. We're all still friends. It all still is fine, but it, it was definitely a thing where it was like, oh, this might not be the best fit for the company. So that's just a little note there. So what are some things that business owners can start doing now if they maybe don't have a team, but they're envisioning a future with one? Like maybe they're listening to this and they're like, I am in no way, shape or form ready for my first hire, but I kind of want to be. What's something that you would advise them do now to make that transition easier later? Oh, I love this question. So I would say start documenting everything that you do. If you do anything in your business more than once or twice, record yourself doing it. Use Loom. Loom is free. It's a, a like a screen recording program and you can start a Loom library of your processes. And, you know, whether you want to do video, you want to write them down in a Google doc, whatever, you know, step-by-step start writing down your processes because everybody does stuff differently. And so whatever, you know, pertaining to your specific business, document it so that when you bring somebody on, it's so much easier to train them because that right in itself is a time suck, just trying to train somebody on your processes. And so we, we learned that kind of the hard way where our, our early hires, we didn't have any processes documented. And And then as we started going in our hiring journey, we did have processes in place. So it was so much easier to onboard them when we, we could hand them a video, we could hand them a checklist and say, this is how we do this. It's already there for you. So that's what I would say is start now just documenting because you may be completely not ready yet, but one day you will be. And when you are, you have those things in place. So the transition is so much smoother. Oh, I love that. I'm t- I was over here like vigorously nodding my head because I'm like, yes, that's genius. Like I feel like that's the same advice I give to people when they're not sure what to outsource is I'm like document everything you do and then find what it is that 
only you can do and what it is that someone else can do. So that's amazing. Um, okay. So like, what would you say to the middle level entrepreneur? Maybe someone who just made their first one or two hires, like they're kind of where you were when you had your editor and your social media person. Um, but they're kind of floundering to know what it is that they can or should give away. Like they've documented all the things, but they are like, okay, what out of my workload can I actually give away? Because I feel like so many, I don't know about you, but like, I feel like there's a lot of things where you think you're the only person that can do it. And even though you're trying really hard to see the potential in somebody else doing it, it's still really hard. Like, what would you say to someone who hits that roadblock? Yeah. So my rule of thumb is if somebody can do something 80% as good as I can, it's time to pass it off. So the reality is I'm probably going to be the best at whatever it is that I want them to do. Not always, you know, my copywriter is way better at blogging than I am, but you know, sometimes, especially with those early hires, yeah, it probably would be easier for you, for you to do it, but it takes so much time. So if somebody else can do it 80% as good, it's time to pass it off. So I like to have people make a list of every single task that they do in their business and then highlight literally the only things that only you can do. If it requires your face, your voice, or has a direct impact on revenue, those are that's what you should be doing. Everything else you could eventually pass off. And so, um, you know, by filtering that list, you can go through and see, okay, well, do I have to be the one in my inbox? No, you know, it's not my face or my voice. Somebody else can type those things. And so I can pass that off realistically. And so my goal was to get to the place where I was doing only the things I can, I, you know, only I can do. And I feel like we're finally in that place now where I show up to my desk and I'm doing things that nobody else on my team can do because you know, it's recording a podcast, it's meeting with somebody, you know, content creation that somebody else just can't do. So that that's kind of the filter that I use there to determine, you know, what can I outsource and what should I be doing? Um, another thing I want to say is I, I like to do I'm very visual. So I like to put together sort of like an org chart. And I had like a dream org chart before I ever hired anybody. And so like, of course, I had me at the top. And then I had like a lower level of people like, ooh, I would love to have, you know, a social media person, I would love to have a marketing person, you know, whatever. And I put together this like dream org chart. Um, if you ever read the book traction, they do this really, really well of like putting together an org chart. And I think by seeing it as an organization and not as a, you know, a personal small business, it really helped put me in a CEO seat. And so I always know what my next like two hires are going to be because I have a dream org chart. And so even now I have this team, I still know right now what my next two hires are going to be. So I always try to stay like two hires ahead on my chart so that I keep dreaming and keep growing. Oh, I love that. And yes, I love if If you haven't read Traction and you're listening to this, you should read it. It's really good as well as Rocket Fuel. That's that's yes. the second book by that same author. And and it's really great for people who are looking to grow their team and scale their teams. Um, okay. So I want to just kind of circle back to something that you said about um, you're always trying to stay like a couple steps ahead. So when is the best time to make a new hire? I like I clearly have an opinion on this as I'm like lighting up while I'm asking it. But I just – I feel like so often people kind of – they wait to reach that point of like, oh my gosh, I can't do this alone anymore. Bad things are happening. And then they try to make that new hire. And I typically say like, ooh, maybe not so much. But what do you think about it? Like what's the best time to to start making those moves? Yeah, we um, – and my whole team knows this, that when we reach about 80% capacity, they let me know and say, hey, Rebecca, I'm just letting you know I'm at 80% right now. 
we're going to need to bring somebody on in the next two or three months. And so that gives me enough head start to say, okay, <laughs> we we're not at full capacity yet. Cause I agree with you. We should, don't wait till you're floundering and like dying in all the work, right? Wait until you're about 80%. You know, that financially, maybe you, not, you may not be able to bring somebody on right this second, but can you make it happen in the next two or three months? Once we hit about 90% capacity, I start looking. Um, sometimes like right now I have a couple people in my back pocket. They don't know they're in my back pocket right now. And um, that's how like my bookkeeper was seeing my back pocket for months and she had no idea, but I know, you know, I keep an eye on them. I make sure that they have availability. And then when that 90% hits, I reach out and start, you know, either you're, whether you're putting out applications or you're connecting with people, whatever you need to do about the 90% mark so that you're not at full capacity, but you're almost there. That way you can bring them on just in time to drop down to like 60% capacity with the new person on. Does that make sense? Yeah. I love that. I love that like really tactical approach to it too. I think that it's really like clean and it makes a lot of sense. Okay. So if you had to, this is just kind of like a fun question, but like if you had to pinpoint the one hire, the one position that has like impacted your business the most and provided the most growth within your business, this is a hard one. I know. Um, what would it be? Like what position would that have been for you? Yeah, this one's actually really easy for me. This was hiring my integrator. So an integrator is somebody that you don't bring on right away. They are best when you have a few team members because their role is to take all the moving pieces and pull them together. And so by bringing her on, I was able to separate myself from the business because up until that point, I was the integrator. And this term comes from that book, Rocket Fuel, that you mentioned. Um, And so Uh, you know, most, most business owners operate as the visionary and the integrator. So they are dreaming for the future, but they're also making things happen. And so my for sure best hire so far was bringing her on because it freed me up to be able to dream and push us forward. And I'm since bringing her on our launches have been bigger. Our seasonal sales have been bigger. We're able to serve way more people with way more content. We doubled our content, you know, amount we were sending out one piece of content a week. Now we're up to two to three pieces and we're about to add on YouTube and, you know, all these other things that I wouldn't be able to continue scaling without her there. And so Cashmore is my integrator. I know she does like small level integration for some other people. Um, but it, it, she's been best hire period. (laughs) I love that. That's super, super encouraging to hear. I know that a lot of people are probably like wondering what, as a follow-up to that, like, when should you hire an integrator for you specifically, you are kind of, as you mentioned, like it might not be the norm to have this large of a team like that just in general as small business owners and creative entrepreneurs, you might only have a team of like two to six people. You might never have all the people that Rebecca has. So Rebecca, in your opinion, like when is a good time to bring in someone like an integrator to provide that separation between the CEO, the visionary and the rest of the employees? Yeah. I think when you have about three people on your team, including contractors, so they don't have to be full-time employees because several of my, you know, my contractors are the ones doing things that go with my podcast or a new course or whatever. And so if you have like two to three contractors slash employees, that would be a good time because that that's enough for the integrator to be able to pull together moving pieces where if it's just you and one other person, I feel like that's not necessary because you can communicate with that one person. You don't need a middleman for one person, if that makes sense. Yeah, it totally does. I I love that. That's super helpful. 
Okay. So as we wrap up, I would love to know your unpopular opinion, if you have one, on the topic of growing your team, hiring new people, outsourcing work, all of the things. Okay. This is going to be fun. Unpopular opinion time. Layla's like, yay. Okay. So my unpopular opinion is you should hire before you feel like you can afford it. And here's why. When you hire a little before, I'm not saying don't hire, you know, be smart about it. (laughs) If you're making zero, like probably not the best time to bring on another person, but you should probably hire before you feel like a hundred percent confident, because if you wait until you're a hundred percent sure it's going to be too late. And so by bringing on sooner, that gives you the freedom to be able to go generate more revenue. And so every time I've brought on a team member, our revenue increases because my time has been freed up. And so that's my unpopular opinion is don't wait until you feel like you can afford it. If, because think about it this way, even bringing on somebody for 10 hours a month, like that's not a lot of hours, $300 a month, so attainable. Right. But even doing that little bit freed me up to be able to, if I spend those 10 hours doing marketing instead of, you know, trying to be in my inbox and delivering galleries, I can book so many more clients in those 10 hours and my revenue shoots up. So that's my unpopular opinion. Oh, I like that. I was like muting myself, but I was like, Ooh, like over here in my, (laughs) in my office being like, okay, I see that. I can see the potential there. Um, that's amazing. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you so much for being on the show. This was awesome. Y'all. I mean, I'm going to share with you where to find Rebecca, but of course you can head to the show notes and everything that she listed will be there. We'll also have to get that pot, that uh, blog post that you wrote to there as well. Um, but Rebecca, where's the best place for people to connect with you? Definitely Instagram. Go find me on Instagram at Rebecca Rice Photography. Yes, I have a social media manager, but I'm the only one in my DMs. So I have to tell people that because they know I have a team. If you email me, it's going to be my team responding most likely. But if you um, Instagram DM me, it will be me. I will voice message you. I'd love to answer any questions, whatever. Um, I'm, I'm super active there. So that's the best place to find me. I love that boundary. Beautiful. So good. <laughs> um, yay. Thank you so much, Rebecca. Of course. Thanks for having me. For show notes and resources mentioned on today's episode, head to so here's the thing podcast.com. And if you're enjoying the podcast, I'd love to read your review on iTunes. Thanks so much for listening and I'll catch you in the next episode.